and good day, eh? Welcome to the Super Good Camping Podcast. My name is Pamela. I'm Tim. And we are from supergoodcamping.com. We are here because we're on a mission to inspire other families to enjoy camping adventures such as we have with our kids. Today's guest is the Executive Director of Paddler Co-op, which you're about to hear all about. Please welcome Ryan O'Connor to the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Hey, welcome, Ryan. How you doing? How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> doing good. Awesome. We're, we're getting all riled up to, to go to the Outdoor Adventure Show in <laughs> less than two weeks now. Actually, when this episode airs, it will be about five days away or four days away or something. So Amazing. I can, excited. I, excited. It's like, it's like Christmas. <laughs> it's like Christmas for adults. Totally. So if, totally. If I'm not doing camping, I, it's the next best thing for me. I just, I love the show. I, I love to go and see all the people, check out all the cool exhibits so many presenters just run back and forth from stage to stage. I, I love the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a super fun weekend. We're also heading down. We're excited. It's, it's a massive undertaking for us because there's like a four hour drive before we even get there and it's, you know, life on the road for the weekend, but it's always so fun. It's like great to kind of crawl out of the Hills and reconnect with so many people and see new, make new friends. Well, we, we met at the outdoor adventure show last year, which is super cool. Exactly. It was the, the coolest <laughs> thing. So we're, we're totally branching, but this is not at all how I play this. <laughs> But, but we did, we, we, we wandered into your exhibits. It was you, there may have been somebody else. I seem to think it was you and Riley were there. So, and you were busy talking to somebody else. So we got talking to Riley and weirdest, like what a small world. Riley lives a six minute bike ride from here. Like had no idea. How cool is that? We turned, we're pals. We've, we've gone for like, you know, got over to the local pub. They've come over here for, we did a podcast, uh, for dinner, like we yak all the time. It's great. It's awesome. Amazing. It's, uh, Amazing. Wel- welcome to the outdoor adventure world. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm assuming Riley is indicative of the type of people that you get to work with. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Well, Riley's a bit of a special, a special character. Riley's like super motivated, super keen, just like an outpouring i feel like every time i talk to riley they've got like a bazillion things going on and somehow there's always time for a conversation which is super cool but yeah we yeah uh we feel blessed to have riley riley's actually the the chair of our board of directors so we're governed by like a volunteer board of directors so riley's been on the board for uh five years now and uh, or this is coming into the fifth year um yeah and it's just super awesome we get i get to meet so many cool people by doing what i do and it's especially neat because it's something that i love so i definitely feel really blessed and kind of grateful to be able to make a living this way okay well so let's use that as as a perfect segue let's back up (laughs) tell us what you do tell us you know what tell us what paddler co-op is and then and then how you play in sure sure yeah so so paddler co-op like our we're a member-owned cooperative uh, for starters, so we're we're owned by our members, and we're a not-for-profit organization. Like we operate with a mission-first sort of priority. Profit is more of an outcome than sort of a, an objective, if that makes sense. And our vision is to build a stronger paddling community. And the way we do that is by providing uh, high-quality programming in an inclusive, uh, affordable, accessible setting where we'll deliver trips, we'll deliver whitewater canoe and kayak skills training, kids camps, rescue safety, first aid courses, uh, sort of a whole variety, um, even including like rentals and shuttles. And and we operate a campground on the river, basically with the spirit of, of improving the quality of education that folks can get on the river 
and also to foster a sense of community and bring people into the fold of, of getting out on the water and getting to know folks uh, that are, you know, either at a similar level as them or are coming from a completely different walk of life or are way much further down their journey or way earlier in their journey uh, and providing like a safe and inclusive melting pot for, for everybody to, to come together in the sweet little hamlet of Palmer Rapids where we're on the Madawaska River, just kind of southeast of Algonquin Park. And it's a super rural place, but probably the most popular whitewater canoeing river in Ontario, Canada. North America? I don't know. It's a, it's a busy spot. It's a great spot. Excellent. Well, the, I, okay, cool. I'm coming. So how do you plan it? For starters, obviously you have to be a paddler. How did you, what's your origin story in playing on the water? And then just, I, I'll save, save myself asking the question later. Uh, uh, and then, and then how did that, how does that parlay into you being the executive director of the co-op? Good, good, good question. So, yeah, um, I guess it goes back to when I was a kid. I'm the, I'm the youngest of seven, seven kids, and my parents were a- outdoor enthusiasts for sure. Uh, my mom grew up on a farm in, in the area in, in Cumbermere, and my dad was from a military family that moved around. They lived in Germany. They lived in, you know, the, on the East Coast. They lived uh, eventually settled in Lindsay, Ontario. But through through being in the military, he did like a ton of training with like skydiving and uh, winter camping and overland expeditions and whitewater rafting and, you know, ski traverses and all these types of things. So from a very young age, we were always getting out. My mom grew up on the land. My dad grew up in the wilderness in a different context, but that kind of paired for somehow by some form of a miracle all nine of us getting out and getting after it so i remember doing like canoe trips in algonquin as a really young kid mostly just kind of sitting in the middle but i guess where it it ties into the river and the and whitewater is we decided that we wanted to do a trip on the coulange river one of the kind of classic tributaries the three sisters of of the ottawa river uh, on the quebec side coming out of lavarandre provincial park and they wanted to do this self-guided. That was just the way we did things. We just figured it out and did it. And so before before taking on that much of a challenge with, I think the oldest kid was like 18 or maybe even 17. So I was like six or seven at this time uh, before, you know, heading into the woods with a bunch of teenagers and less than teenagers and two, two parents who are not professional paddlers. We wanted to do some training. So we ended up linking up with some extended family of ours that knew the co-op and were actively involved with the co-op. And they said, you know what, if you want to get training, go, go to the co-op. Like it's the place to do it. You'll, you'll learn everything you need to. It'll be affordable. You can get everybody on the water, get like a weekend worth of training before you go on this canoe trip and you'll be, you know, that much better off for it. So I remember the first time I actually came to the co-op. I don't remember anything about the co-op itself, but I remember being up at the rapids and jumping off of this one rock into the moving water and for me that was just like a kid in a candy store it was just like the funnest thing to do just like hop in the water and float down and do it again i don't remember anything i don't know if i learned anything i don't remember anything else about the course but that stuck with me and so then we did the coulange river it was awesome there was one like really near tip where like the boat was sideways and 
And somehow somebody had a camera out. So we actually had like a picture of this where like my brothers and sisters, three of them in the boat were like totally sideways. I don't know if somebody did a brace or whatever, but they managed to stay upright. It was an awesome trip. It was super cool. And that, that was my first whitewater experience. And then from there, things were kind of dormant. Like I didn't paddle whitewater for a long time afterwards. I would continue to like do whatever canoeing in the lake and stuff like that. But I grew up in Montreal, so it wasn't like, you know, we didn't have a lake out the door or anything. So it would just be when we were visiting family or friends that were, you know, at a cottage or on the lake, then we'd we'd go out. But when I went to to Cégep or uh, like college in between high school and university in Quebec, I took an intro to outdoor ed course. And that course was meant to introduce students to all types of different outdoor activities. We did like orienteering, we did uh, canoe camping, we did rock climbing. And then we did whitewater kayaking in the pool. <laughs> so we were, I didn't actually get to go on a river, but all of a sudden uh, there was this, there, you know, I was learning how to play kayak polo and do rolls and hold my breath and do wet exits and, you know, everything about maneuvering uh, a kayak. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And then there was a, there was a uh, whitewater kayaking club at the school. So I, went out with the club a couple times and and had a ton of fun with them and the following summer i was working on my uncle's farm in the area in cumbermere and i reached out to those same family members my my second cousins that i had originally gone out uh with the coolest family and i asked them if they would take me out and they said yeah absolutely let's go so we came down to the co-op we got kitted out in the gear and we went out to palmer rapids and started bombing down and it was just like it was the most fun thing like maybe ever it was it's like the first time you ride like powder on a snowboard and really enjoy it it was like that for me <laughs> in, a, in a kayak and i remember specifically like the first surf i got because there's this tiny little wave at the bottom of the lower set uh it was like summertime it was warm water it was gorgeous the first surf i got i was just like mesmerized at the fact that i was somehow in equilibrium staying in the same spot with all this water like flowing by around me and I didn't really know what was going on, but I, I knew enough to be like, this is a pretty unique and cool experience. And I think I want to do this again. <laughs> so I, I, anyway, I paddled a bunch of times that summer, uh, went back to Montreal, bought a boat, volunteered with the school club, volunteered with, there was actually a whitewater kayaking course at the school, which is super cool. Shout out to John Abbott College for, for providing access to you know, teenagers to getting into that kind of sport. And uh, yeah, I just honed my skills, honed my skills a ton. And, you know, tried to paddle with the best people that I could and, and, and develop my abilities. And then, yeah, I moved out West after I finished school, I moved out West for, for a season of ski bumming. And while I was out there, I actually got a, a job offer to say, Hey, do you want to come to the Valley and teach kayaking at the co-op? And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, wow. Yes. Done. So, so I came back and started teaching and that was in 2013. I arrived at Palmer Fest, which is like the big festival at the start of the season. And there was, you know, a hundred, 200 people there on the Saturday night, a ton of folks that I was just getting introduced to that were super welcoming and awesome and just great to connect with and wanted to know my story and I wanted to know their story and everything. And it just like quickly became clear to me that that was the place for me. I had kind of found my, my people and found my, yeah, my home away from home, I guess. And so I kept teaching that summer and then just made it a priority basically to become the most proficient 
paddler, instructor, you know, valuable staff member to the co-op that I could. And, uh, you know, fast forward that down through the years, I became a certified whitewater kayak instructor. I became a certified whitewater canoe instructor. I became a certified whitewater canoe instructor trainer and began to manage, you know, the equipment, began to manage the site, uh, began to manage the staff and then eventually was offered the opportunity to to run the organization which interestingly enough i just said no to i was not interested whatsoever i wanted to paddle i didn't i like saw what our previous manager our previous executive director's life was like and it seemed really stressful and not that convincing and i was like not for me um yeah yeah um but I don't know, like, you know, life is a funny way of, of putting the right mountain in front of you to climb. And I simmered on that for uh, about eight months, went through the season. We, we knew that he was retiring. I was also on the, I was volunteering on the board of directors at that time as well. My wife and I were both on the board of directors. So then it became my, p- partly my job as a board member to replace the, the previous executive director. And we went through a hiring process and we went through an interviewing process and we had a bunch of prospects. And for one reason or another, all of the prospects sort of faded out. They 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 opted out. They decided that it wasn't it wasn't worth doing. And for the sake of wanting to make sure that this place would continue to function with somebody who had experience. At that point, I was teaching the air, yeah, here for eight years. My wife and I kind of decided to just take a chance and say, well, hey, li- listen, if nobody's going to do it, like we'll do an interim year. Uh, for one season, we asked that one of the co-founders, Shauna, if she would kind of help mentor us and she agreed. And so, you know, we kind of became the operations manager and office manager and mostly because we wanted to make sure that, you know, the, the operation would run the next season. I wanted to make sure I had a job the next year. And, and it was kind of a hard time. Like it was as a not-for-profit, like the co-op was run with really, really thin margins. Like we would close it up in September and basically cross our fingers and toes that like come May, we would, you know, be able to, to pay the bills and, and run Palmer Fest, you know, launch Palmer Fest and like carry on. And I don't know how, how many people know that or not, but I feel like it's an important part of just kind of sharing the reality of, of these types of organizations. Like the pandemic sort of knocked a bunch of people out. And I think it made us all realize the thin lines that the, the, businesses that we care about and the activities that we like to do, how, how thin the margins are, or, you know, how close they are to just folding. Um, and yeah, so we wanted to do that. So we did it without, you know, any kind of a guaranteed paycheck or anything. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and it was like, times. perfect. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, let's like, you know, let's make sure the co-op can run as it, it gets totally stuffed in the can from, from just factors beyond our control. So that was an extremely stressful time. Like we had no idea what we were doing, running the organization in some ways, you know, I had to all of a sudden learn how to deal with the CRA and budget and hire people and all this kind of stuff that previously was just kind of taken care of. And at the same time, there was no money coming in and bills racking up. So to make a long story short, we basically just did what has always worked for the co-op and was just honest and open with our membership and our community and said, listen, folks, like 
things are not going well and there's no sign of them improving. We need your help. You know, we're doing the best that we can and we've reduced every possible expense, but we need to find a way to, to, to keep this place going. And then all of a sudden donations started rolling in. People started buying, you know, every last item of merch that we had. There were gift cards that people were purchasing, just like tons of letters of support and everything like that. And it was like, holy crap, okay, maybe we can just kind of squeak along for now. And also there's something really powerful here that that is kind of a force that we didn't even anticipate, you know, being involved in the, in the organization for so long, uh, how powerful it was. And and that tied us through. And we, you know, we, we had to access, you know, every type of subsidy or, or whatever, the SIBA loan and cues and everything like that to, to be able to help make it work. But we made it work somehow. And we were then like committed at that point. It's like, okay, this place is important to people. This place is special. This place not only serves us and those around us, but it serves so many other people that are connected to us. And it's worth, you know, giving it our all. So that year was the first year that we were managing and, and, you know, we were only able to open in July, but we just made sure to get all of our duckies in a row. We opened and boom, we had like a record breaking year. And it turned out that the next three years would be like unprecedented for the outdoor industry, which is just totally nuts. So all of a sudden it was from like, you know, there's nobody we can hire. And then like Linda and I step up and then, you know, we're definitely shutting down. (laughs) There's no way we can make it. It's a pandemic. And then we reach out to the membership. We're just honest with people. We're saying like, we don't know what to do. Help us. And all of a sudden, boom, we just started climbing this trajectory and it's been unreal. So that was, that was the start of my sort of managing the following year. I guess I officially became the executive director. My wife went on to nursing because she finished school. So she was no longer working with the organization. But yeah, we just continued to deliver a high quality product and communicate with our members and the people that we serve and do, you know, as best as we can and do it for the love of it. And uh, like next thing you know, we're we've basically like tripled the number of people we serve in a year, which or sorry, in three years, which is which is totally wild. So, yeah, we're thriving now. And uh, and I've, I've learned how to I don't know. Be a business person and a paddler. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I don't know what I do. It seems to work. I just keep doing it. Well, that's it. It's like, it's such a crazy thing, eh? Like if you care about it enough and you're willing to, you know, beat your head against the wall or find a way to solve the problems, like it's going to come. It's a weird thing to say. It's like, I don't know. It sounds almost like, you know, it's not based in anything, but it's, it's enough. I've, I've experienced enough to, to be confident in saying something like that, I guess. Yeah. Per- perseverance and passion. It, I, I think you, you mix enough of that in there. You'll get to wherever you need to go. It, it, it organically, however that, whatever that thing is, it'll get there. So I, I think that's probably listening to the story. I'm pretty sure that that's, that's as much the deal as anything. And, and yeah, be, being willing to slam your head against the wall more than once. That's, that's probably a good thing too. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah. there's, there's a new challenge that you guys are facing at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, to- totally. So, uh, like the pa- you know the pandemic was the first mountain that that we had to climb, and we've gotten our feet under us basically. So we've grown from you know shutting down in September to you know hope- crossing our fingers we can open up in May, and now we have there's there's two of us year round, so we can actually answer the phone, we can actually answer the emails, we can actually do some planning and stuff like that, uh, which is which is super awesome. And and it just kind of seems like you know what life all of a sudden you like. 
you get over this impossible thing and then it's like, oh, thank God we did it. You know, things are never going to be that hard again, I'm sure. And you kind of like, you know, revel in that, you know, you ride the wave a little bit, you enjoy it, you surf the pile, whatever it is. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden there's just like this other, just like looming boom thing that happens. So that, uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of happened in a, in some way. So the, like we've been, we've been renting the physical property that we've been on for 20 years in, in 2003, uh, one of the co-founders and a board member, uh, purchased this property because the co-op couldn't afford it itself with the purpose of, of renting it to the co-op so that we could have a campground, we could have a place to store boats, gear, um, you know, classroom space, all, all of this kind of stuff, an office space um, and everything like that. And it's gotten to that point in uh, their lives where, you know, they're, they're beyond retirement now. And so rather than, you know, continuing to hold on to this property as an investment, it's, it's time for them to sell, uh, you know, through no fault of their own. And uh, of course, on my end at first, I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, you can't, you can't be serious. This isn't happening. Because we, ju- you know, we just got through the pandemic. We just finally managed to make, you know, things work and kind of turn the business around from a from a death sentence, basically. And now we are are faced with this question of, okay, do we allow this property to get sold to somebody who may or may not have an interest in keeping the co-op going, or, or you know, keeping the co-op here as a tenant on the property? And, and going down that sort of risky road or. Yeah, that would, that hits me as it would be an absolute crapshoot. Like you don't know, you don't know who's going to buy it. You don't know what they're going to want to do with the land. Right. No. And the way like property prices have gone in the recent years, especially here in the Madawaska Valley, like the, the prices have like tripled and you know, the probably the highest income earning opportunity somebody could get off of this is like chopping it in two and building two cottages and, you know, selling them for, whatever million and a half dollars a piece and and so we're we're faced with this question and basically we've we've you know engaged our membership we've asked around we've been like folks you know what do you think we should do um and wholeheartedly like the resounding response is like we, we need to buy this place like there's no way for us to be able to to you know even think about letting this opportunity pass us by so rather, you know, there's like on the one hand, we could view it as a crisis, like, you know, we're threatened, like it's like a save the co-op thing. But on the other hand, and more importantly, we're choosing to focus on this as like a uh, this is a massive opportunity. We can invest in the site. We can invest in, in better infrastructure. We can invest in increased programming. We've got stability, which allows us to plan for longevity, to continue to sort of forecast into the future and say, you know, what do we want to be when we grow up? And in some ways, it's like the rite of passage. It's like the co-op, you know, the t- the teenager that is Pava Co-op is getting kicked out and saying, go on, kid, get a job, you know, pay rent and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so that's that's the point that we're at right now. Um, the, the reality of the situation is, given the fact that prices have risen, we responded to the pandemic with a really strategic and I would argue like disciplined approach to be able to save up enough to have a reserve fund. We need to save that reserve fund for a rainy day. We need to be able to pay the kind of fixed costs on the rainy day and to at least have like one staff person in the event, you know, not being able to operate or another pandemic or who knows. So we need to keep a portion of our reserve fund intact, but we do have a portion that we can contribute to the down payment, but it's not enough. We've, we've, we've been approved for financing. We know that we can purchase this property, 
but we need to run a fundraiser in order for us to get beyond that threshold of what we have to make sure that we can secure this place long-term for the future to not only serve our members, but their children and their children's children, and to be a, a staple and partner in this community uh, you know, for, for years and years to come, basically. So we're at this exciting point where you know, we're, we've got the new mountain to climb, which is finding a way to purchase this place to secure it for the needs of the community. And we're doing absolutely everything that we can in order to make that happen. So we're committing as much as we can out of our reserve fund to it. We are planning a awesome fundraiser with tiered donation levels at each different level folks donate. They will get a membership to the co-op. They will have access to sort of different perks and packages that we have. So for example, the lowest one is sort of like a sticker and swag pack. And then from there, there's discounts on our brand partners. We're working with a bunch of different brands that are also contributing to this cause. They're going to help us spread the word. Uh, and they've kicked in some really amazing, really amazing offerings. So we're going to get discount on brand partners. We're going to be able to offer subsidized courses for people, like amazing discounts. We're talking like 50% off, which is stuff that like we'll never do at the co-op for people to come. We're putting together like specific tailored packages for folks who want to come and camp with their family. They'll get like, you know, preferred campsite selection of their favorite sites down by the water and we'll like sweeten the deal with you know a box of beer and some s'mores and a bottle of wine and maybe some bugs you know all the all the good stuff that we can do uh just as a big thank you um but we do need you know we need we need help we need our community's help we need your folks's help and thank you already and having you know having me on to be able to share the story of the co-op and the fact that you know we're we're again at this crossroads where we need support um, and you know, all of our brand partners. And I mean, the folks that come through here, we, we put 1600 people on the water each year. Um, and it's important. It's most important for us to make sure that we can keep doing that and keep growing that because as you know, real estate gets increases in value, people buy up property, they develop it. We're losing access. If you look at the States with the amount of people that there are, all of these wild spaces, we're losing access to them. And it's important for us as, as a paddling and outdoors community to take a stand and say, you know what, this, this is a wild space that's worth keeping wild. This is an access point to a river and a section that is worth preserving. And so that, that's what we're doing. And that's really what we're asking for, is for people to invest in the future of paddling in the Madawaska Valley, to invest in the future of paddling and accessible programs at Paddler Co-op, to invest in the future of building collective stronger paddling community in a in a totally transparent and you know non-profit driven way where, where we're meeting the needs of each other's um you know yeah we're meeting each other's needs and we're able to to get out on the water and you know do all the stuff that we love well, I, I mean for me personally i think that's an extremely admirable goal i suppose we caught wind of you through numerous uh, friends and acquaintances in the in the paddling community uh, and everybody's like, oh yeah, you got to go check this out. Oh yeah, you got to go check this out. So, so having met met Riley and 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 yakking with them, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, uh, you know, we're 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 a little podcast, you know, but how can we help? Can we can we do this? So, with that in mind, what's what are the what are the nuts and bolts of the of the fundraiser? When when's it going to start? How long is it going to run? Ish? Where do we send people to to? to buy the swag packages to, to get the, you know, 50% discount packages to go camping, to do all the things. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, basically we have 
until July 1st to make this all happen. We have, so we, we have, we've managed to secure the, the commitment for financing from, from our bank, which is huge. So, you know, it's not like we have to raise a whole amount. The whole amount is 700,000, by the way, 700,000 is the cost of the property. It's a 2.7 acre property with, with a, an office space, this space, which is like kind of a residentially type building and this big boathouse garage with towering pines on the river and beside the highway. It's pretty incredible. It's, it's everything. Um, so we need to raise enough to be able to afford the mortgage on it, which is awesome. Cause that means that we don't have to raise 700. We're aiming to raise 250 right now. The more that we can raise beyond that, the easier it'll be in our organization. Our rent payment is basically going to double when it comes to a mortgage. We can still, we can still work that within our budget, but it would be a little bit easier if we didn't have to work quite as hard. And so we're looking, yeah, we're looking to raise that much. And basically if a thousand people contribute $250 a piece, which is basically what folks will spend in gas to get here and back from the city and maybe, you know, a case of beer and probably one night's meal, they can help us to, to get to that point. And we are literally like in the final stages of finalizing our landing page, our website, it's got an FAQ page on it. It explains you know, the history of the co-op, our values. There's all sorts of information about the intricacies of the fundraiser, you know, why we're doing a fundraiser. But all this to say, we've got this deadline. We've been given the first, the right of first refusal to purchase the property. So we're doing every single thing we possibly can to make sure that that happens. And we need to, yeah, raise this money by July 1st and make sure that we have, uh, you know, the opportunity to secure this place for years to come, essentially. So how people can, can contribute, first off, for starters, listening to this podcast is awesome. Secondly, sharing word about this, sharing this podcast, sharing our social media posts, joining our newsletter. If you log on to paddlercoop.ca, you can scroll all the way down. You can click join the newsletter. You can join our newsletter and you'll get sort of all the updates there. And when our, when our fundraiser actually launches, when it goes live, which at the time of recording, we're, we're two weeks out or less. Our goal is to have it live before the Outdoor Adventure Show. So we will have a web page that essentially has all that information nested in it. So we'll be sharing that link through social media, through our email channels, uh, on the website at pathacoop.ca. Um, and we're doing it. We're doing a bunch of other other promotional stuff, like uh, like we're doing another podcast next week, for example. Um, we're going to be uh, at the Outdoor Adventure Show. We'll be chatting with folks uh, there. Yeah, we've got lots of folks who've who've come and actually gotten training at the co-op, who have like YouTube channels and you know Instagram followings and all this kind of stuff of their own. So we're going to be leaning on them to to spread the word and that sort of thing. So we're 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 really trying to cast the net wide. Sweet, sweet. Well, and that's so this will air the Monday before the Outdoor Adventure Show. So everybody that's listening, go see them at the Outdoor Adventure Show. Go go to the show. You don't have to spend all day in their uh, at, at their booth, but but go make sure you drop by. Drop by, say hey, you know, get a business card, do do the do the right things. Yeah. We'll have we'll have fresh, hot, good coffee locally roasted in the Madawaska Valley for free. Because we want people, free, free 
to have as much energy as we do on the floor that day. So come on by, get a coffee, grab a sticker, uh, chat with us. We're going to be right by the pool. We're actually incorporated in the Frontenac Outfitters uh, booth space. So if you look at Frontenac Outfitters right by the pool, in the, I guess they call it the Whitewater Zone or whatever, uh, you'll be able to see us there. Look for the dreadlocks. You can't miss them. If I'm not at the booth, it's probably because I'm on the mic narrating for Zach in the pool, or maybe I'm in a boat. That's it for us for today. Thank you so much to our special guest, the executive director of Paddler Co-op, Ryan O'Connor. And we're looking forward to seeing him at the Outdoor Adventure Show. And we hope to see you at the Outdoor Adventure Show too, please. If you do happen to notice, I won't be there. I will be on a beach in Mexico. But if you happen to see Tim walking around with a super good campaign t-shirt or hat on, then please come up and say hi. And a a very tall kid. And a very tall kid. (laughs) Also may have a cap on. Who knows? Uh, We will talk to you again soon. My name is Pamela. I'm Tim. And we are from supergoodcamping.com. Our email address, if you would like to give us any feedback, good or bad, we'd love to hear from you. It's hi at supergoodcamping.com. That's H-I at supergoodcamping.com. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.